Hello, everybody. It is Friday, January 21st. Markets are closed, finally. The bleeding is done, at least for uh, at least for a couple days. Unless you're in crypto. OMG. I'm still cleaning up the vomit all over myself from today, from the whole week, from the first 20 days of this, of this month. We have a lot to go into today. I don't think uh, things can get worse. You know, they say the stock market is not for the faint of heart. I mean, it's been just a, just a joy ride, a party. Well, party till 2 a.m. in the morning, more like 4 a.m., um, with every drug and alcohol mixed in that you can imagine. And now the lights are on and it's time to sober up and it sucks. Really sucks. Here we go. All right, got some new music here. Thanks, my friend Grego. Hello, welcome to Breakaway. This is a podcast about all things finance. The opinions expressed by me and my guests on this podcast are solely my opinions and their opinions, and they don't reflect the opinions of Hathaway Financial, which is an investment advisory practice that I run. This show is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. All right. Off we go. I think that music worked out all right. Okay. All right. A lot, a lot to talk about on day. Netflix basically came out with earnings last night, destroyed the markets today, set the meeting, set the markets up for a nice destruction. Um, markets are down. We'll talk a little bit about Tesla. Talk about some Microsoft. Talk about uh, Peloton. Oh my god! All right, let's just start with the general picture here. So, so today's a, today was a bloodbath. Okay, Netflix is down twenty two percent, and I'll get into that. Don't don't you worry. Okay, one of my favorite uh, stories in, in stocks is Shopify, 14% down. I literally just bought them like this like a couple weeks ago and had some of my clients, uh, or I know of people who bought them. I'm not supposed to talk about the other business on the podcast. I'm having iced coffee right now. It's 4 o'clock. I actually went out and golfed. I golfed nine holes. Um, I was a little distracted, kept looking at my phone to see how much worse the losses would get. I mean, these are one-day losses that I'm reading here. I mean, Block, which is Square, 7.5%. DoorDash, down 7.5%. DoorDash doesn't make any money, by the way. I, I, I don't know what their business model is. Um, Affirm Holdings, that's the company where you can buy... Um, um, basically, they give you credit, and you buy and pay in installments, down 8%. Roblox, one of my favorites, doesn't make any money. So that's any, But if you're a high flyer, like high-priced sales ratios and high-priced earnings ratios, all these shiny new tech companies are getting slaughtered. And if you don't make money, you're getting destroyed. I mean destroyed, okay? Um, I mean, the companies that are holding up the markets are basically Apple. Apple's down 1%. Um, Microsoft down a couple percent, Alphabet, you know, Google down a couple percent. By the way, these are just today. I'm not even going the whole week. So, all right, let's fire away. So, in in general, like taking a real big step back, trying to look at the forest through the trees. Well, forest is on fire. Uh, U.S. stock market's down eight percent year to date. Okay, now remember that's off twenty six percent up for uh, for this last year. 
so, so we needed a correction. And I talked about this in depth on my last podcast, so I won't go into it now. But if you understand the fundamentals of why this is happening, uh, the market's anticipating interest rate rises. Uh, people, interest rates are going up. People are on margin. There's pan- obviously a ton of panic selling right now. Um, so we are getting into, well, before I go into correct, so, so correction territory when a market is in correction, that, that, that means the market's down 10%. Bear market generally means the market's down 20%. We could definitely go into bear market territory. Uh, I would not be surprised. W- what I think, though, we're seeing is the NAS, okay, but let me keep going. So the NASDAQ's down 10%. And so the Nasdaq is going to hold more more tech stocks, and then IGV, which is a, which is an index of software companies, is down twenty two percent. And then if you go into some of these very specific companies, like I was just mentioning, okay, very specific stock, very specific stocks. So I talked about some of these last week. Uh, Stitch Fix down eighty six percent. Robinhood, which a lot of I know my listeners have, and and I have, I don't use it. I have it though. Down eighty four. Um, and I think I did the math in that last week. That means if it gets back to where where it was, like if you buy it now and just hold it, maybe in a couple of years it goes back to its to its you know all time high. You will have like five extra money at this getting close to six x on that one. Um, what else? Peloton's down eighty two percent. They're getting destroyed. Real quick on Peloton, I don't need to spend a lot of time there, but since I just mentioned them, they their stock was down. 25% yesterday. And that's because they have <laughs> two things. One, they hired McKinsey. Anytime you go hire McKinsey and the market hears about it, it's just probably not good. It's like, oh, we don't know how to get our business right. So we're going to hire McKinsey to do it. And McKinsey, they're like these really smart, and by the way, I'm not trying to disparage them or that business model, but they're really smart consultants. They, they always graduated, the people that work there graduated top of their class in the best business schools. And usually it's like a jumping off point. Some people become partners, but otherwise you'll go and work as like a, you know, a super well-paid analyst in a corporation or something. Point is they're, they're really smart people, but a lot of times, ideally, if you're a successful company, you're hiring really smart people and can kind of figure that stuff out on your own. So a lot of people will hire McKinsey almost as a CYA cover your ass. So it's like the CEO will be able to say, well, I hired McKinsey and, or Boston Consulting and this is, and I'm doing what they said and everybody agreed that's a great idea and they just agreed with what I said. So they hired McKinsey and then they also uh, paused the manufacturing of their, of the, of their bicycles, you know, their, their Pelotons. And that's horrible because they're basically saying they have too much inventory. And, and it used to be a story of supply chain and just a lack of supply for them. And now the fact that they're just oversupplied is, is, is crazy. So they're down um, in total, what was that, 82%. Uh, Zillow, one of my lovely favorites as well, 74% down. Palantir, everybody loves Palantir, 67%. Roku, down 66%. Pinterest, down 65%. I could just keep going, I'm not going to keep going. Point is, there's blood everywhere. It is a bloodbath. The question is, will it continue Monday and into next week? The answer, I think, is a little bit of yes, but I think we're going to see it differently. So one of my one of my great listeners uh, sent me a text, and, and you know, I always answer questions and said, why is Hershey and General Mills up today? And then actually, uh, it surprised me it didn't, because I was actually surprised anything was green. But um, it was interesting, they're in, they're in a sector, it's called consumer defensive. It means that people will always have to buy them, and they're generally not going to be cyclical. They make food. So... What's, what we're also seeing right now is the money isn't just 
it's not like it's pouring out of these high-tech stocks that I've been mentioning, all those aforementioned names. It's not like it's pulling out of there and then into people's pockets. What's, what's happening is some of that money is coming out of those stocks into people's pockets, but it's also flowing into other sectors, what's called like value stocks. I tried to pull up an interview with Kathy Woods because I saw it on CNBC yesterday morning. It might have been this morning. Gosh, I'm, everything's like, it's just like a blur. This whole week's a blur. But she was talking about how she thinks value now is set up is set up for, for, for a fall because what's happening is all this money... So when I mentioned that the NASDAQ or the, the overall stock market's only down 8%, but here I've mentioned all these other stocks are down 80% and software's down 22%. But then you look at these value stocks and they're not down nearly as much. So value's not as sexy. People pile into there, into like healthcare and value and, and utilities and, and these kind of boring sectors when everything else is going to shit. But what will eventually happen is if the market does start falling out, money will come out of there too. These tech stocks, not necessarily the ones I just named, but companies that make money, and I've talked a lot about Fat Man on my previous podcast, the Facebook, the Amazon, the Tesla, um, uh, Meta, or no, sorry, M is Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, NVIDIA. Those are just a few really big tech stocks. They all make money hand over fist. They're all growing revenues, double digits, meaning over 10% year over year. Those companies will all come back, and a lot of them haven't even felt much pain yet, like Apple I mentioned. So hang in there. Um, let's jump into to more agenda here. I'm going to talk about uh, – let's, let's just dive into Netflix. All right. I could talk about this for a long time, and I think people would get bored. But because I talk about Netflix so much, and I know I have a lot of Netflix listeners, I'm going to talk about it just a little bit and give my thoughts and also, not just my thoughts, but I think the street's thoughts, like what general public thinks. I do think that, I used to work at Netflix, I do think that when you work there, you do. there's a little bit of drinking the Kool-Aid, a little bit of, oh, we're, we're really good, we know what we're doing. And they came off a, with a little bit of hubris on their earnings call. So, it, it, let me get into that in a second. Hopefully I don't forget. I'll come back to the, what I mean by that. But but they, they basically had 8.3 million subscribers in the period, which was which is actually really good. Their their the Q4 of a year ago was eight and a half. They got they got 8.3. Their guidance was 8.5. I mean they're basically right on. They basically just hit their number. Okay. Now the one thing that hurt is actual revenue was down a little bit, and margins off, and that's all because of FX. And you'll fall asleep and I'll bore you, but if you get all of your the dollar is significant. Maybe I won't bore you. The dollar is significantly strengthening um, as foreign currencies pile into the dollar as our interest rates go up. That's for another discussion. Just know that the dollar is strengthening against foreign currencies. So what that means of Netflix gets sixty percent or so of their of their revenues. Let's say I'm making that number up, but it's it's in the ballpark and directionally accurate. Let's say that revenue comes from foreign currencies or foreign governments. Could be euros. Could be yen. Could be. Um, you get the point. So when those currencies weaken, it flows through. You have to translate that currency into U.S. dollars, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to show less revenue. So that hurt their margins. Street was very unforgiving on that. The CFO, Spence, talked a little bit about that, said that probably cost them a billion dollars in revenue. Okay, so they shouldn't get punished for that. That's just I, I don't think you should punish them for that one. But then their Q, where they really shit the bed was their Q1 forecast. I mean, this was pathetic. They guided 2.5 million subs. Okay, that's versus like four, four million or so 
a year ago. And you can't we can't go into the year with Q1 being their best quarter generally, Q1 and Q4, and then only guide to two and a half million subs. It's it's absolutely pathetic. They did four million last year. And got to at least guide to last year's number. So the street just punished them. And then what I mean by hubris or being just a little bit like non-understanding is even Reed, and he, like I've said many times, uh, highly respect the guy, super intelligent, but he came on the call and he's kind of laughing, going, well, you know, we're like 1% off. And he's referring to the 8.5, the 8.3 million versus the 8.5 million they guided to. Point is, like the street we wanted, not just street, me too, we wanted a better Q1 forecast. You can't be telling me you've got eight, six, seven, eight hundred million potential subscribers. That's what they're saying their TAM is, the total available market, and they're only going to pick up two million of that next quarter. It's completely pathetic. And we can get into their strategy, but I think that. And I think a lot of people would agree that they need to lower prices, and they're doing this in India, but they need to be a little bit more aggressive and rather, you know, take the hit on margins right now, lower your prices a little bit, capture more subscribers, and then later make your content better and figure out how to raise prices. Instead, right now, they're trying to figure out how to get their content better so that people will come into a higher price. I don't think it's the right strategy. I don't think it's the right strategy. So basically what happened is Netflix was already down 20% just because of you know general market conditions and, and, and tech being down and, and, and already down 20% going to earnings and they're down another 22% today. They're basically like flat now for the last four years as a stock, which is just a f- shit horrible investment. Excuse my French. Excuse me if you have kids listening. There's no kids that listen to this though. Um, so they're, they're now basically 40... Uh, I don't know, 40-something percent off their high. So uh, I have a significant investment in Netflix. I am bleeding, puking, uncomfortable, not sleeping, drinking heavily, everything bad. Probably took a year off my life this last week. But uh, I'm just hoping they don't continue to get crushed. So what I do think is going to happen, I don't know if I just talked about this in the markets, I think we're going to see hopefully these tech stocks stop taking some beating. And if the, if money continues to come out of the markets, hopefully it'll start coming out of the value sector, General Mills and Hershey. All right. So their Q1 was pathetic. What, am, what else do I have to say here? Um, oh, one thing that I found exciting on the call, they are getting into gaming. They're not getting traction there yet. It's very, very early days. I'm drinking coffee. I'm drinking coffee at four o'clock on a Friday. Not normal. At least not for me. So one thing, the one... You rarely get anything interesting in their earnings calls. That's why I'm not even replaying them right now because they're like the masters of saying nothing. I mean, it's all in their letter. There really just wasn't a lot to say. Our guidance sucks. We're doing everything. We're going to continue testing. We're going to continue pleasing our customers and blah, 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 blah. So not, nothing really new to add. The one thing that Ted, Ted said something, I might be reading too much in this, but he talked about, he was asked, you know, Squid Game, obviously their biggest hit, I think their most watched series ever. And whether they're going to renew season two. I thought they already had, by the way. But um, he confirmed, yeah, they're renewing season two and there'll be a Squid Game universe. And then I'm not sure what he meant by Squid Game universe, but you know what I really think would be a great idea? And I hope someone from Netflix is listening. I hope you guys do this. You should create a Squid Game in all of your markets, like a local Squid Game. Give it to a creative in Germany. Give it to a creative in France. Give it to a creative in Japan, uh, you know, Thailand, wherever, everywhere. And 
and then uh, Latin America, let them come up with their own version. And they can kind of, it doesn't have to be the exact same script, obviously, but it can be the same theme, the same general idea, and they're playing the squid game in that country. And then they can, you know, kind of weave in that country's customs and, 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 and culture and, and idiosyncrasies. It would be so cool. And I wonder, because it's so obvious, right? It's so obvious. It's such an interesting show. And, and the fact that Ted said Squid Game Universe, God, that would be so cool. So cool. All right. So that was my, uh, that's hopefully was what's going on. I will play, I will leave uh, the Netflix here with a clip from uh, an analyst that follows the streaming industry very, very closely. Rich Greenfield. Here we go. Now the top or, you know, is this sector something where there's still 600, right. 800, maybe a billion subscribers? I, we believe there I are. Agree with talking the about the number of potential what subscribers. Is, Netflix has 200 million right now. The answer is, of course, there's hundreds of millions of subscribers to go. I mean, think about Asia, Andrew. Outside of outside of China, which is not available to any company right now, at least non-Chinese company, there's, I think Netflix has 33 million subscribers across all of Asia ex-China. That number is clearly, I mean, Disney, I think in Hotstar, has something in like 44 million subscribers. There's going to be hundreds of millions of subscribers for both companies in Asia long term. Is it going to be a straight line? No. I mean, remember, I, I remember, you probably remember, Andrew, when Netflix blamed chips in credit cards for why they had missed numbers in a quarter or why they were seeing slowing growth. We've seen multiple crises of confidence in this stock over the years. I'm not saying, I'm not dismissing this. I'm not saying that there's questions on visibility, but we've seen visibility issues many times in Netflix's past. The long term doesn't seem changed at all. All right, I'll pause it there. That's pretty cool. I like his uh, positivity, his optimism. Uh, let me go to a clip. I'm going to fast forward just a little bit where he talks about a, his huge conviction on them. And remember, they have about 200. I mean, I'll give you the exact number. I've got it right here. They have 200, and as of the end of Q4, 221.822 million subs. And so the market's punishing them because they think the, the, the part of the reason the street is punishing Netflix is because they're saying they're only going to grow that number at 2.5 million, which is like 1%. That's horrible. And and there, it basically is a sign that the market's saturated and, and, and they're going to start growing more slowly. And so here is uh, Rich kind of debunking a little bit of, little bit of that. So I can find it here. They sort of got to that. And I think it's sort of the lack of understanding is why the stock is as weak as it is. Okay, here it goes. But I do have a lot of conviction and I remain convinced conviction. that the upside here is six, seven, eight hundred million subscribers. And that's why you want to be buying the stock down almost 100 points today, is that when you've seen these complete crises of confidence and conviction, when every analyst on Wall Street is just throwing in the towel and giving up because it didn't make their Q1 number. That's the opportunity where you step in and you can make incredible amounts of money. And that's what's happened in the stock historically. Remember, this stock was at an all-time high not that long ago. So there is the ability to swing pretty violently. And I think that's the opportunity that certain people are going to take advantage of today. Yes. Oh, boy. Um, <clears throat> I'm so deep Netflix right now, I can't afford to buy any more. But I am kind of trying to buy Tesla. I'll get into that one later. So I like how he's saying everybody throws in the towel. I definitely have to admit that I had that attitude first thing in the morning, very upset, very disappointed. But if history is any indicator of the future, this is a blip. This is a air pocket, as Reed Hastings once described it as a management meeting, an air pocket like a plane flies through. 
they'll get through it. And they were just at their all-time high. I actually remember when I think I was having like tequila shots over them and Tesla right around Halloween. So right around Halloween, they're they're all-time high. And so, you know, what changed in the business so much in four months that you can take 40, 50% off the stock? You know, you're going to have some, there's some macroeconomic conditions going on, but the business didn't change that much. So I like Rich's conviction. Oh, oh, I'll also add that I had a good friend of mine today tweet at or uh, text me that he's buying Netflix. Had another friend of mine call me last night. He's also um, a, a wealth manager and said he's going to buy. And it kind of surprised because I'm all, I'm so much in the weeds, you know. And, and I I, I kind of took a negative. Oh man, I can't believe how how screwed up Netflix. How much they screwed up that earnings call. And I think they did. Uh, but. Uh, it's good to get other people's perspective because they're like, oh, this is a great time to buy. So I think it's a good time to buy. I mean, I might wait a little bit and give the market a couple more weeks to shake shake out. I mean, even if you buy them on the upturn when it's at, let's say, they're, they closed like 390-something today, maybe you miss the bottom-bottom and buy them on the way back up around 450. That's probably a good thing. All right, Other also in the news, Microsoft's in the game. I'm going to stop. I'm so tired, and, and I don't want to bore you all. So... Also in the news is Microsoft is buying Activision. I don't, I don't have any more to say on that. It's a great move by Microsoft. That that company is is just moving up, up, and up. I bought more Tesla today. I think the market is just crazy. Not uh, Tesla was at an all time high, basically twelve hundred. They closed at nine fifty, I think today, give or take. I, I ended up buying at nine eighty. I'm a, I'm still very bullish on Tesla. I will continue to say I think they're the most valuable company in the world by 2030. The market still hasn't even priced in, if you can believe this, and, and if I trust the analyst reports that I'm reading, they still really haven't priced in the full, full production capacity and potential of Berlin and Austin. And I'll bet that we're going to hear in the next six months that they're going to be putting a factory, another factory somewhere. And... Elon Musk is actually coming on the earnings call next week, and he's skipped the last one, maybe the last two, because he's focusing on the on the product. And but he's going to come on this one to talk about the product roadmap because there's been rumors that Cybertruck got pushed, and and people are like writing articles like, oh, that's a bad thing. But look, the Ford Lightning truck is going to come out, and there's already talks about major major production issues with it. When Tesla has already done the Roadster, the Model S, Model Y, Model 3, they're getting pretty damn good at what they do. And so when all these other car companies come out with these electric, when, when the old ICE companies, internal combustion engine companies, come out with Tesla, or excuse me, with um, battery-powered electric vehicles, they're going to have a lot of problems and a lot of issues. You know, Tesla's been at this for 20 years, dedicated to it. And I and I will always say, by the way, they stole my line today. You know who stole my line? Uh, Pat Gensler, I think's his name, the CEO of Intel. I've always called Tesla's and what cars are becoming is an iPhone on wheels, and he said it's a, it's a computer on wheels. I like my analogy better, but I think that, I think it paints a very simple picture that, that helps tell the story of why it's so important. People want their car to, to be as powerful as their phones. And they want to like get into their car and it's just an extension of you and your phone and your technology and everything about you. 
The Teslas drive themselves. I've seen countless videos on it now. Nobody's even close. It'll be take anyone three to five years to catch up. The, Tesla's earnings the next week, look, they could get pulled down with this macro environment, but I still stand by my my prediction of, of them being the most valuable company in the year 2030, which put, put them at north of $3 trillion. All right, I'm going to sign off. What else do I have to say? What am I watching? Recommendations. I just started a book by Ray Dalio called, oh my God, The New World Order. I actually heard it recommended by by, by Friedberg. I'm trying to think of his first name, but he's one of the one of the four guys on the All In podcast that I always listen to and recommend. So that was pretty good, the book so far at least, if you're into like understanding how dynasties die and, and, and powerful countries move into second and third place. And it's kind of predicting that the United States is going to move into second place behind China probably within our lifetimes here. I mean, isn't that a great note to end on? All right, I am going to end this and say goodnight. Please try to be positive. Pray. It's possible the markets turn around tomorrow. I think we're going to see some more carnage, though. I think we're going to see But you know what I do think? I will predict this also. I think Q1, you're going to see a massive dip and a massive spike. And it's going to be just like March of 2020, I think it was, where we, we had the big fall off because of COVID and then everything shot back by the time June came around. So I think what's going to happen is we're going to see a we're going to continue to see a fallout in the markets from January into February. And then I think we're going to have a great March, unbelievable March. All right, buddy, take care. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, uh, go ahead and shoot me an email, sean at hathawayfinancial.com. And thank you again.